I want to kick off today, we're kicking off a brand new Bible teaching series, but I want to start in Acts. Real quick, just a verse in Acts, and then we'll jump into our story today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, pretty familiar if you've grown up in church, especially in um, a, a Christian church like this. I'm sure you've heard this before. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, which includes the Lord's Supper, and to, what's that last word, and what else? And to prayer. And to prayer. Right? That's really, in a nutshell, like what a church, not just our church, but what a church does. We open God's word and we study the teachings from Jesus and, and the rest of the writers, the scriptures. We do that within community. I mean, you can read the Bible on your own, but we do that as a group. We do that in community. We, that's what fellowship means. We share meals together, including the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us that gives us the gift of eternal life through his grace, but also prayer. The hard thing about prayer, though, in that context is that's a loaded word, right? And prayer. So what am I supposed to do with it, right? Well, like, what am I supposed to pray? How am I supposed to pray? At what intervals am I supposed to be praying? Am I supposed to keep a prayer list or a prayer journal? Can I pray silently? Do I have to pray out loud? What words am I supposed to use? Do I have to end in Jesus' name, amen? Like, there's a whole lot around prayer that gets a little bit muddy, and even if you've grown up in the church, and even if you are someone who has a prayer life, even for the most mature Christian, we're still trying to figure out prayer a little bit. What is prayer truly about? So when we're told, and to pray, and they devoted themselves and to prayer, what exactly does that look like for a believer to be devoted to prayer? Over Christmas break, I took my two boys, Connor and Cole, took them skiing for the very first time. Um, now, before you're like, oh, man, where'd you go? We were in Indiana. So, like, uh, the hill, like, right down here that you drive to get to 400, it was about like that. Uh, but it was something new. It was something they had never done before. I grew up skiing, loved to ski. So I'm like, if my boys and my kids will start to like skiing, maybe I can talk the whole family into doing a family trip to a legit ski place, but they have to like skiing first. So I told him, I was like, hey, I will take you skiing. There's a little place in Indiana that I started out skiing. There's snow, it'll be fun, but only if you wanna go. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they had seen pictures of me skiing before. They obviously have heard of snow skiing before. They've even watched videos of snow skiing. They've seen it on the Olympics. So they had a good idea what snow skiing was and what it was about, and they'd seen it before, but it was very different when they got there. And let me just say, here's something I did not do. I did not get them in their skis for the very first time, load them up on the chairlift, take them to the top of the mountain and say, all right, you ready? Ski. No, of course not. I mean, Becky, my wife, made sure that that's not how this was going to go down. She's like, now, Brian, don't take them up to the top. Don't just leave them. Right? They had no idea. Even though they knew about skiing, they had no idea what to actually do so that they did more than just fall down the mountain. Right? They had no idea. So what did they have to do? They had to learn. Pizza, French fry. Pizza, French fry. I can tell who skis and who doesn't ski just by that right there. Some people are like, what is going on? So let me help you understand. Pizza, pizza slice or snow plow, maybe you learn it that way, is how you slow down so you angle your skis in. That also helps you turn under control, especially for a beginner. French fry, down the hill as fast as you can. Right, so I would teach the boys. Now you start French fry, but then you need to go to pizza. And so all these other people that are down skiing, they hear me yelling to both of my boys, pizza, pizza, pizza! 
to make sure they're staying in control. And you can tell the people that only learn French fry as they French fry and tumble, and then the French fries come off their feet, and then it's everywhere. We call that a yard sale. <laughs> I did not want that for the first experience for my two boys. I wanted them to enjoy skiing, but I had to do more than just take them to the top and say ski. They had to learn how to ski. And some of you, when it comes to prayer, you feel like, I've got a pretty good grip on prayer. You've got an idea of prayer, and you have a pretty good and thriving prayer life. Some of you feel like a skier that's been taken on the chairlift to the top of the mountain and then just said ski. And you feel like all you're doing is just tumbling through the whole thing. You don't feel like I actually know what I'm doing, and you don't feel like you are, are actually moving forward. You feel like you're just falling through it. Let me say this. First of all, falling through prayer is totally okay. You're still praying. But what would it look like if using scripture, we got a better idea of what it was intended for us to be devoted to? What kind of prayer are we to be devoted to? So let's just start there real, real quick. When we think of prayers, there's a few categories we usually think of in regards to prayer. One of them, usually the first one we think of is provision. I need provision. God promises to provide, so he tells me to ask for what I need, and he provides. We pray for provision. God, I need this, and I need you to provide that. We think of it in terms of intervention. God, I need you to show up. We pray for miracles. We pray for healing. God, I need the supernatural to happen. Nothing there's nothing I can do to fix this. There's nothing I can do to solve this. No one can do anything except you. So God, I'm going to pray for your supernatural intervention in my life. I need you to show up. I need you to work and I need you to move. Intervention. We also think of prayer in terms of just conversation. We talked about this as we went through Psalm 23 a few months ago, that, that prayer is intended to be personal. And it is a conversation. It's where we get to truly know our Lord and we get to open our heart to him. So oftentimes our prayers, we are praying for just a conversation. We're praying for that relationship. There's another very important aspect of prayer, and there's a lot more. I'm just summarizing and trying to paraphrase it quickly for you. Another very important aspect is that of, of a trade or an exchange. And usually we don't approach prayer with an exchange in mind. Literally, if you were to look at the original Greek word of prayer, it's two words shoved together. The word prayer is prosuke. Pros UK. And it's two words, pros and UK. Pros means exchange. Literally, it means exchange. UK, that second part of the word prayer, literally means wishes or desires. So the word prayer, when we talk about what the early church was devoted to, they were devoted to exchanging their wishes and desires with God. I love that. It's where you present your wishes. God, this is what I want. This is my desires, but I want yours instead. So God, I'm going to give you mine and I'm going to receive yours. I'm going to give up my wants, wishes, and desires, and I want them to be replaced. I want to exchange. I want to trade them with yours. And that's the focus we're going to take on prayer for the next several weeks. We're going to look at specific prayers throughout scripture that do just that. Again, there's nothing wrong with praying for provision and praying within the context of a relationship and a conversation. Nothing wrong with asking God to supernaturally intervene and move in your life. But for the sake of the next few weeks, what if we prayed specifically bold and big prayers to exchange our will with God's? 
Instead of praying, God, this is what I want, and this is what I need, and this is what I think, and this is what I want you to do, and and God, I want to accomplish this, and I want to make sure this happens, and God, I want to change this. What if we switched it and exchanged, made a trade this month, and said, God, I, I want to know what you want. God, how are you moving? God, what are you doing? God, what do you want to accomplish in me? God, what do you want to accomplish through me? That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to do. So for the next several weeks, specific prayers that are focused on that kind of an exchange. So before we jump into today's, uh, what I would call a, a bold prayer, a bold prayer of an exchange, let's go to him and pray. And I'm going to have you do this a little bit differently since we're talking about prayer. I'm going to give you a lot of opportunities to not just have me pray for you, but for you to be praying. So if you'll close your eyes, bow your head, we do that in reverence for him, but we also do it to remove some distractions. And would you first start by just praying that God would remove the distractions currently in your mind? A lot of things to think about. Would you pray, God, remove the distractions so I can focus on you? Next, would you pray that you would have an open heart to what God might want to say to you today? Would you pray that the words that I speak from God's word would be clear and accurate according to his word and not my own? Would you pray we would do more than just listen and hear his word, but we would do what he calls us to? Lord, thank you so much for speaking to us through your word. Thank you so much for uh, the fact that we can pray, that we can talk with you, but we also hear from you. And I pray today as we open your word and we read a story, I pray it's not just a story we read about it, but it's a story that impacts us personally and we make it our own. Speak to us, Lord, help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story we're going to see today is out of 1 Samuel, Old Testament, towards the very beginning of your Bible. If you got a Bible, be there, look at it, write things down, take notes. If you don't have a Bible, make sure you pick one up. We ordered like 50 new Bibles over Christmas, uh, so we got plenty of Bibles for you. That's our gift to you. Make sure you got scriptures you can read and understand and obviously use. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, we read a story about, go figure, a guy named Samuel, although he's not a guy yet, he's a boy. The story we see today is a Samuel growing up. And we're going to see a, a pretty bold prayer that he prays here in just a little bit. Follow with me. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Here's the beginning. Meanwhile, the boy, again, young, we don't know how old, but a young boy, Samuel, he served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Real quick, two characters here. We learn about Samuel. We learn about Eli. Eli was a priest. So he was over all the duties of the temple and the sacrifices and all the rituals and things that they had to do in regards to the temple. Now, Samuel has a very interesting backstory. You'll have to read that on your own. I don't have time to go through it. But in chapters 1, chapter 2, you hear the story of Samuel and his mom and how Samuel actually became devoted to the temple. You might think you grew up in church. Like Samuel grew up in church. Like he literally slept and lived at church. And he was under the authority and guardianship of Eli. So basically, Samuel's mom handed Samuel over to Eli and said, he's devoted to the Lord. So then Samuel began working working in the temple, serving the Lord in the temple. And obviously, his guardian here was Eli, the priest. Now, at this point, Samuel's not a prophet. He's going to become a prophet. He's the person that is going to choose King David to be king. He's the one that God is going to choose to speak to and then allow God's voice to go through him. So Samuel would say, here's what God says, and he would tell all the people things. But that hasn't happened yet. 
He's still young, and he hasn't heard from God yet. Verse 2, things are about to get interesting. Verse 2, one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. And you know how this sounds, dads, don't you? Right? Why are you awake? Go back to bed. It's one of those. He's, he's frustrated. He's agitated. He's tired. I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. And so he did. Verse 6, then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So what's interesting to me here is we often think, God, if you would just speak to me, then I would. We think if we would hear God's voice that it magically fixes things. What's interesting is here he, knew, he heard God's voice but had no clue that it was God. I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking like God's voice sounded like thunder, like that it would shake the walls if he were to speak. And sure, we have occasions where that happens, but his voice couldn't have sounded like thunder or else Samuel would have absolutely have known, ooh, that's not what Eli sounds like. Remember, Eli is old, he's almost blind, so he hears this voice and assumes, oh, that just must be Eli. That must be, and he did that twice. So there was nothing about the voice of God in this case that made Samuel think, oh, that definitely is the Lord God Almighty speaking to me. He just assumed it was an old man. And he didn't know, and I think this is important to pull out, verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Why did Samuel not recognize God's voice as God's voice? Because he didn't know God yet. Now, that's interesting because we just said he literally grew up in the temple. He was sleeping in the temple when God called him. And here we see a very important distinction, and this impacts our prayers. There's a big difference between doing things for God and knowing God personally. See, Samuel grew up doing things for God daily. His job was to work in the temple, in the church, serving the Lord Yet he did not know God personally. He did a lot of things for God. He served God in a lot of ways, but he did not know God enough to recognize God's voice. I caution you, church. As a believer, we do a lot of things for God, and I'm not saying any of those are wrong by any stretch, but don't mistake in what you do for God with your personal relationship with him. He desires you and your heart, not just all the things that we do as believers. If you want to hear his voice, if you want to recognize his voice, make sure you're not just doing things for him or in his name or because it's the thing to do as a Christian. No, you want to recognize his voice, you get to know him personally and intimately. That was the problem at first. Not that he wasn't hearing from God, but he didn't recognize the voice of God. So verse 8, so the Lord called a third time, just as before, the Lord called Samuel a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? At this point, he's not just frustrated. Eli's starting to figure like, okay, there's something seriously wrong with this kid, or something's actually happening here. 
Look at what happens. Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. Man, we cannot pass over and gloss over the importance of Eli's role in Samuel's life. If it was just left up to Samuel, I don't think Samuel would have ever figured out that it was God that was speaking to him. He obviously wasn't figuring this out. Three times is not the charm for Samuel. Samuel, must be Eli. Nope. Samuel, must be Eli. Still no. Samuel, this has to be Eli and still it's not. So Samuel was not getting the idea that this was God's voice. It was Eli who said, hang on a second. I see what's happening here. Having Eli... And Samuel's life made all the difference. And sometimes it is hard to recognize God's voice. It is hard to see what's God doing and how's he speaking and, and what's he doing in my life and where's he leading me? Like those are real questions that we ask all the time. And sometimes we can't figure it out and we can't see it ourselves. So we need an Eli that's able to say, hang on, let me, let me, let me speak into this. I think I might see what's happening here. We all need Eli's in our own lives. We need people that speak truth into us. We need people to help us see what we don't see, to help us recognize what we don't always recognize. But for Samuel, he had to learn to do this, right? He didn't just magically get that this was God's voice. It was Eli helping him understand. We're going to see that it's going to take four times for God to speak to Samuel before Samuel finally realizes what's happening. Now, even though in the story, this literally happens over the course of a night, like for us, this doesn't happen overnight. Like this isn't, uh, oh, I became a Christian and I can all of a sudden totally understand and recognize all that God is doing and saying to me. It's learned over time. Samuel had to learn and he needed Eli to help teach him. So if you're somebody, and, and as we talk through prayer and these specific prayers that exchange our will for God's will, if you really want to be able to recognize and hear God's voice, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to keep at it. It doesn't just happen overnight. For us, at least. The more you listen for God's voice, then the more you learn to recognize his voice. But you've got to be listening. You've got to be looking. You've got to be seeking. And I love that about Samuel here. He didn't ignore the voice. So often we just ignore it. I love that he got up. Even though he was wrong, he went to Eli. He still responded. And as you're seeking God's voice and what God is doing and saying to you specifically, man, don't ignore it. You might need to go to some other people and like, hey, is this what God's saying? Help me understand what's going on in my current life. How do you think God is working through this? What, how do I navigate these next steps? Like literally, we just talked about Bible studies a little bit ago. That's why we do that together. You can read the Bible on your own. I encourage that. But it's great having other people speak truth into you, having people like Eli in your life to help you learn. The more you listen for God's voice, then the more you're able to learn to recognize it. But it is something you have to work at, and yes, it's something that has to be learned, and you need other people in your life to be able to speak that into you. So Samuel does exactly what he was taught, what he was told to do. Verse 10, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. This is the fourth time, and I just want to point out, and I love how patient our God is. God didn't get frustrated at Samuel. He didn't say, you know what, you lost it. I gave you four chances and I'm done. Last one, Samuel. He continued to speak to Samuel even when he didn't recognize him. 
So the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. He didn't just do what Eli told him to do. There's a big difference here, and I think you're going to recognize this difference. Three times before, when God called Samuel's name, Samuel heard it every single time. He heard it, he got up, he thought it was Eli, it was wrong, but he heard the voice every single time. There's a big difference, you know this, between hearing and listening, isn't there? Right, hearing, I can hear a sound, I can hear a voice, I hear the words, but listening says I yield to those words. Listening says I don't just hear you, but I'm following those words, right? I will admit I'm better hearing than I am listening. I will admit it. Becky would attest to that as well. She's like, honey, you're going to take out the trash? Uh Uh-huh. Brian, did you hear what I said? Yep, heard you. Then she'll say, Brian, let me rephrase. Take the trash out now, please. (laughs) Right? There's a difference between like, yeah, 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 I heard you, but don't do anything with it. For some reason, our kids got iPads for Christmas. So now I'm highly regretting that because it's like, kids, get off the iPads. Uh Uh-huh. I'm like, no, 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 get off the iPads. Yeah, 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 we hear you. I said, I don't want you to hear me. I want you to listen to me. I want you to do what I say. Hearing, you can hear the words. Listening is I yield to those words. And so for Samuel to say, speak, your servant is not hearing. Your servant is listening, says, I don't know what you're about to say, God, because the only thing he's heard God say is his name at this point. So for Samuel, he's saying, God, I don't know what you're about to say. I don't know what you need to say. I don't know the words you have for me, but whatever you have for me, I'm listening. Whatever you say to me, my answer is yes. Whatever you're going to command me for, command me to do, I'm going to follow. No matter what you say next, God, my answer is okay. That's listening. Hearing would be, let me see what you have to say first, and then we'll have a conversation, God. That's hearing. I want to hear it before I decide if I'm going to follow it. And Samuel doesn't hear the fourth time. He listens. Now, that's important because as we're going to see, oftentimes, I'm hesitant to say all the time, but I would say almost all the time when God speaks, it's not easy. And we're going to see that happen here. So here's what God has to say to Samuel. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. That's not starting out very well, is it? I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. There's a whole other backstory between his sons and how bad they were. You can read that earlier on, but God's now sick of it, tired of it, and he's calling them out on it. He said, because they've been blaspheming God and and he hasn't disciplined him. Verse 14, so God says, so I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Quick side note before you freak out. Not forgiven by sacrifices, right? So the sacrifice of Jesus covered all sin. Before Jesus, they had to do regular sacrifices to atone for those sins. But the idea was not just sacrifice because you had to. It wasn't just about a ritual. It wasn't about a religion. God wanted their heart. So you could sacrifice all day long, but if your heart is not with God, what's the point? 
That's what he's getting at here. It's like, man, they can keep sacrificing all day long, but obviously they don't want a relationship with God because they continue to do the wrong thing. So please, if, if that doesn't make sense, talk with me afterwards. I want to make sure we're clear on that. Sins are forgiven because of the grace of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And when we go to him and say, God, I, I need forgiveness, my heart has to be in the right place first. So yes, we have to have the right heart, but it's obvious they did not have the right heart. That's what God is calling out. Verse 15, Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. I would be too. Because <laughs> Eli is not just his guardian. He's not just a priest. He's the leader of Israel. And Samuel's a boy. That's under Eli's authority, under his leadership, is basically his father. And when God spoke to Samuel, God said, Samuel, this isn't going to be easy, but I have a message you need to give to Eli. And it's going to be a hard message to give. Of course he was afraid. There's nothing easy about that assignment. Now, if you keep reading through, even though, Eli was, or even though Samuel was afraid, he did talk with Eli. He shared exactly word for word what God had told him. And to Eli's credit, he was very submissive to God. Basically said, whatever the Lord needs to do, whatever the Lord thinks is best. But what I want to point out is, again, when God calls, when God speaks, it's usually not an easy assignment. It's usually not something that we could do on our own. And we see this throughout Scripture. It's not just with Samuel. Like, let's think of like the big kids' stories. Right? You think of, think of Noah and the ark. When God spoke, build an ark in the middle of the desert, and Noah hasn't rained in a long time. Okay. When God speaks, it's not easy. Think about Moses out in the desert, running away because of, of a murder he committed, and God speaks to him through a burning bush. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the land, and command him to let my people go. Nothing easy about that. Think about Abraham who God called and said, I want you to pick up everything and move your family to a place I'll show you one day. Not gonna tell you where, not gonna tell you how long you're gonna have to, I'm not even gonna tell you what direction to go. I'm just gonna tell you to go. There's nothing easy about that. What about Jonah? God speaks to Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh, one of the most evil cities on the planet, and I want you to tell them about my judgment, but also about my love. Now, if you know the story, he actually says, no, I'm not going to do that. But then you can't say no to God, and he'll eventually get you there. Think about New Testament. We just celebrated Christmas. Think about Mary and Joseph. God shows up and speaks. Mary, your life's going to be turned upside down. You're going to be the mother of my son. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because it's the son of God that she's carrying. Think about the disciples. Peter in his fisherman's boat trying to make a living, and Jesus says, drop your nets and follow me. Think about Matthew, the tax collector, who's collecting money, has made a good living for himself, has everything that he probably needs. Jesus walks up, changes his life, and says, leave everything and follow me. Think about Saul, who later we know as Paul, who's out persecuting Christians, arresting Christians, and on his way to Damascus to arrest more Christians, and God shows up through Jesus and says, why are you persecuting me, Paul? Come and, come and follow me. And instead of persecuting the church, he starts planting churches. When God speaks, I'm just giving you a heads up, there's nothing easy about what he's about to ask. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be something you can do on your own. When God speaks, he will call you to trust him more, bottom line. I don't know exactly what he might say to you specifically, 
but I know it's going to require you to trust him more, to rely on him, to use his strength and not your own, his will, not your will. It's going to require an exchange. When God speaks, it's going to cost you your comfort, and it will require you to trust him more. So let's talk about that prayer. Let's talk about what that prayer could actually do. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You got this prayer card? You might be sitting on it when you walked in. You're going to get one of these uh, new every single week this month. Because we, like I said, we're going to look at different prayers that have this in common, this idea of exchanging my will for God's will. But I don't want us to just hear about it. I don't want us to just learn about it. I want us to make this our own. But before you write something, let me, incur, let, let me give you a caution. Not encourage, let me caution you. Don't pray this prayer if you don't want to hear what he has to say. If you love doing what you want to do, please do not pray this prayer. Because when he speaks, it's going to change your life. When he speaks, it's going to cost you your comfort. But if you're willing, if you would write that prayer down, I'll put it up on the screen so you can help. But the prayer is, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. When you wake up, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening throughout your day. It's not just, I'm listening, I'm listening. Oh, didn't say anything. Move on with the rest of my day. Throughout your day, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What might he have to say to you? What might he want to challenge you in? What might he want to convict you in? What encouragement do you need to hear so that you can take that next step? You've gotten too comfortable with your comfort. What might God say to you to move you to a place that requires you to trust him more? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, if we're talking about listening, not just hearing, but listening to God, we have to at least talk about this real quick. So what am I listening for? <laughs> like, if you pray this prayer, should you expect to be woken up in the middle of the night tonight? Brian, Brian, no. Now, God can and has, if you go through scripture, he has spoken in so many different ways, right? What I have found is in those, take Moses, for example, in the burning bush, right? That was a one-time thing. We don't see God speak to somebody else in that same way again. Right? So sometimes when God speaks, it's for a specific reason, for a specific person, at a specific time, with a specific reason. Other times we see, generally, this is how God speaks. So what I don't want you to hear is, this is only how God speaks. This is generally throughout Scripture in repetition and multiple times with multiple people, this is how God can speak. He can speak in a lot of different ways, but these are the ones that we see regularly happen again and again and again. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk through these super fast because today is not about how to, how to necessarily like, pay attention to what he's saying. It's more of getting us in the right heart posture like Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. I want to exchange it. So this would be great for you to go through this week. This is great Bible study. Take a picture of it. We'll post it, send it out later. Um, but let me go through these really quick five general ways that God is going to speak and the ways that he has. First one is through his son, Jesus, 
right? You can read here, Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, which Samuel was one. But now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. So if you've got a Bible and you go through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you open it up and you see all the different red, guess what? God spoke. And guess what? That still applies today. So read through Jesus's words. You're gonna hear God speak through his son, Jesus. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in him, that means you are not just saved for all of eternity. That means that you have the Holy Spirit. You have his spirit living and dwelling in you. And if his spirit lives in you, guess what? You are gonna know it. And you're gonna hear from him in your heart. Jesus' words in John 14, but when the Father uh, sends the advocate, another name for the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit has many jobs. One of them is to remind us, oh, that's what God said. Oh, that's what Jesus said. Oh, that's what he already spoke. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us based on what's already been spoken. God speaks through the Bible, his scripture, Second Timothy, Paul says, all scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach us what's true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives, corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people, that's you and me, to do every good work. So when we open up God's word every single Sunday, when you open up God's word throughout the week, guess what? God's speaking to you. Are you listening? God speaks through other people, just like Eli was used by God to speak to Samuel. Other people, Proverbs, the book of wisdom says, fools think their own way is right but the wise listen to others. Now, the assumption there is godly others. So do you have people like Eli in your life that are speaking truth to you because God will use them? Lastly, in a general sense, God speaks through circumstances. Again, another in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. We're exchanging wills, remember. Seek his will in all you do look, and he will show you which path to take. God, why is this happening? I'd be asking, God, what are you teaching me? God, why is this door closing? God, what are you saying to me? God, why didn't this work out the way that I had wanted? God, what are you trying to develop in me? God will speak to you through your circumstances, and he will show you which path to take. Generally speaking, if you want to, learn, if you want to listen and learn to listen to God, focus there. The words of Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, those promptings, right, it's not a conscience, it's God in you. His word, listen to godly people around you and pay attention to your circumstances and you will begin to see God speak to you. So when I dropped my kid, or when I took my kids skiing, remember I said I didn't just drop them off at the top of the hill? I said, no, I'm gonna help you, we're gonna learn. Took a lot of practice. They skied with me for eight hours, I was impressed. I didn't think they were gonna make it eight hours. It was a lot of pizza and french fry. You know what else it was? It was a lot of just, go, let me watch, and you're going to fall, and we're going to get back up, we're going to try it again. It's repetition. It's practice, right? You have to not just know about it. You have to be willing to put it into practice. We used to have a treadmill in our house. We do not have this treadmill anymore. It's been gone for quite a while. Do you know why we don't have this treadmill anymore? Because it became two things. One, a waste of space. Two, a very expensive hanger for our clothes, that's all it did, right? We used it for a little bit, and it was like, ah, we're never going to use this thing. And so it became a place for all of our laundry that needed to get hung up. Just it was a very expensive drying rack for all of our laundry. We finally said, you know what? If we're not going to use it, let's just get rid of it. I don't want prayer to be a treadmill you don't use. If you don't use it, it's not going to be helpful. If you don't interact with God, it's 
not going to, he's not going to, he is speaking, but through prayer, that's where we begin to listen. So you've got that prayer card. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's going to do you no good if you just wrote it once. That's got to be part of what you're doing daily. And I want to give you practice. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you maybe even a little bit longer than you would have liked. But I'm going to put some what I'd call prayer prompts right there on the screen. You do not have to pray these. But for somebody that feels like you're just stumbling down the mountain and you don't know where to start, here's your pizza and french fry. Here's a guide for you. For the next few minutes, spend some time in prayer. Not just, God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. But begin to go through these. God, I'm here, and I know you are speaking. So speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Take a few moments and begin to have a prayer that exchanges your will with his.